Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with a few of our own recommendations. My name is John Boehm, here with Ali Herbert-Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we've got two interesting things to discuss this week, along with our dinner party recommendations, of course. What are we talking about? John, we're talking about a new drama series based on the real-life story and event that was the Hillsborough disaster in the 80s. It's called Anne. It comes to us from the UK. And then Not So Pretty, a documentary series looking at cover-ups in the beauty industry. Awesome. Two very interesting things. But let's start with the British drama Anne. My son and 95 Liverpool fans did not die in an accident. They were unlawfully killed. The new UK drama Anne follows the harrowing true story of one mother's fight for the truth. Following the death of her son in the 1989 Hillsborough disaster that saw 97 fans killed in a human crush, Anne Williams goes on to spend over 20 years trying to correct the narrative of what happened that day and shed light on the institutional failings that led to the tragedy. Ali, this is a very tough watch, isn't it? Tough but beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful in the way that one mother's love for her son took her through a you know 30-year-plus fight for the truth. It deals with the tragedy itself really sensitively. It deals with everything really sensitively. Were you familiar with this story, the real life story? I was. I was. I actually grew up in England. So I was a kid living in England when this happened. And I remember it being really big news. So this is something I was really familiar with growing up. But for those not familiar with this story, um, the Hillsborough tragedy happened at the FA Cup semi-final in the UK. Liverpool was playing Nottingham Forest and a group of fans at one end of the stadium were involved in a crush where effectively a gate was opened and more people rushed into the stadium than the stadium could handle, kind of normal crowd controls and and movement through the tunnel down into the seats um, kind of didn't happen. And 96 people died and and many hundreds of others were injured through effectively crushing injuries. And one of those was a young 15-year-old boy called Kevin Williams. And Anne is the story of his mother, Anne Williams, and her fight to kind of uncover the truth of what happened because it was kind of blamed on football hooligans. And at the time in English football, after this, they brought in drinking rules and watered down beer. And, you know, there was a lot of social stigma going on with this that effectively covered up the actions of the police who opened the gates against protocol and against um, how you would normally control the crowd. And it was effectively covered up for decades. And so it's told through the eyes of Anne, the mother and her family's story, but it also looks at lots of the other victims as well, doesn't it? And the level of cover up. And as we often see in in real life examples like this um, and stories and in dramatic and fiction versions, you know, when a child has lost the impact on the family, the pressure that puts on the marriage, um, the other child, in this case, Kevin's sister, and you then follow Anne throughout her life in her fight for justice. And you can't, as you get to the end of the four episodes, just realising how much time's passed and how much they would have been holding onto these emotions. And in some ways, rather than healing, they were having to fight and keep this open, like an open wound on top of the trauma of the actual event. 
they weren't able to process and move on and remember and get the justice that they were seeking. Yeah, it's tragedy on top of tragedy because if a bus crash happens and someone dies, obviously it's it's tragic, but you know, they investigate and you can find out what happened and there's some sense of closure. But the people on the bus aren't blamed. There's reason for these things that happen. And what's just adds this extra level of tragedy to this story is they were effectively blamed for their own deaths they were told that there was no way that they could have been saved or they could have been helped which all of course comes out to not be true in fact her son kevin is named as one of 40 or of the 96 that died who was alive and they felt could have been saved if ambulances got to them better if even the response of the emergency services had had been better yeah the other tragedy and what is sort of the the thrust of this is Anne trying to get the narrative corrected about what happened that day because the press pile on, the government piles on, the police pile on to try to have this narrative that they somehow brought it on themselves or that they were hooligans or they were drunk They'd drunk or on the way there. They'd yeah, been yeah. in the pub and come down drunk. You know, it, it took 30-something years. It was 2021, literally 2021, that some of the final um, outcomes of this happened and started in 1989. Like, it's just been such a long, protracted journey that I can't imagine what that added to the tragedy of it all. Reasons to watch it, you know, from my perspective, when you see how one individual can change system or can change an outcome yeah unfortunately the little guy fighting against very powerful institutions and governments and press and media Media, is like still happens every day and you know how does a working class person who doesn't have hundreds of lawyers or newspapers at their control or um you know is a member of parliament you know is able to get things done and as tough as a watch it is there's also sort of just that you know human spirit thing of it where you just watch it and go like you've got to keep fighting for things yeah and the power of family and the power of you know the bond between a mother and their child it's very impactful isn't it yeah the four parts go you know across quarter of a century so a lot of time passes you see a lot of the progress that does end doesn't happen even at the end you know the classic thing of putting up a couple of slides of where it got up to but yeah i would say please watch this but you know prepare yourself john i watched the four episodes in this series all at once on a friday evening and i did go to bed with red eyes i'd had a big cry there are elements that are heartbreaking but i feel the better for watching it and remembering a moment in history done in a, such a dramatic and well done series but you know it's the story of a mother's love and fight for justice for her son who was killed so tragically so warning listeners it is it is sad especially for those that remember the Hillsborough football tragedy definitely worth a watch the guardian gave it a five-star review which speaks to just the like high quality tv that it is they talk about just how raw and extraordinary it is and i think raw and extraordinary are two good words to, to describe this series it's the semi-final of the fa cup be good. Yeah, I will. Have a great time. 3 nil to the Reds. Barnsley Hattrick. You're the first. It's fabulous, isn't it? Saying there might be people dead there. Our Kev's there. If this was an accident, then it was man-made and it was avoidable. We need to find those witnesses and prove that Kevin could have been saved. Oscar-nominated documentary filmmakers Kirby Dick and Amy Ziering dive into the ugly side of the beauty industry in their new series, Not So Pretty. Exploring the unregulated yet trillion-dollar world of cosmetics, this four-part investigation dedicates an episode each to makeup, skincare, nails, and hair, revealing the hidden hazards and social impacts of these everyday items. 
One day, my hair started coming out in clumps. I have delayed speech. He had no sperm. You see her hands, the skin coming off. I felt pains in my abdomen. I'm scared. Almost every chemical you can imagine has been regulated except for the chemicals we use in everyday personal care products. Okay, hold up. Say what now? Ali, these filmmakers have an amazing track record, but most recently made Alan versus Farrow, which is also streaming on Binge, but this is quite quite different, isn't it? It is. It's like things to make you feel scared. Like I, I want people to know about this series because I instantly, it made me have an action. I stopped watching this and I went into the bathroom and I opened my drawers and went through a lot of my beauty products and kind of did what they suggested to do. They were at the end of each episode, there's almost like a few pointers they they recommend that you do. It's very practical. The, the end of the episodes are like very like action-based things. For it you really to do. is, isn't it? Which yeah. I think is when you watch something like this, I mean, so what it's basically saying is your makeup can hurt you because your makeup, your nail polish, you know, the different things that are um, in each episode, a very unregulated industry. You don't have to kind of do a lot to get through the FDA, which is a regulatory body in America that kind of oversees consumer products in a lot of these categories. And two, because of that, there's been some grayness and fudging of the rules. There are traces of asbestos in talc, talcum powder, both in the kind of normal baby talcum powder that you might have, but also a lot of, there's a lot of talc that is in makeup. So the big takeaway I got out of that episode, ladies, um, or those that love their makeup is you should be looking for cornstarch to kind of give the powdery um, element of eyeshadow and stuff, especially, and ensure that nothing in your makeup cabinet has talc in it because you cannot guarantee that talc hasn't got some kind of broken down asbestos so that was kind of the first big thing I learned the second thing um, the next episode is about nails and it looks at the kind of the chemicals that go into a lot of the kind of shellac and not just shellac but other nail polishes this episode is told through the story of Vietnamese immigrants uh, and many refugees that went to America and kind of created the kind of nail salon industry that is now so popular and it was a form of employment for a lot of them when they were fleeing the um, Vietnam War and, and settling in America um, and how there was a really common thread through many of them about getting sick, getting cancer, and they felt it was through an exposure to the chemicals kind of in your nail polish. So a couple of different, they're just two of the examples that they give over the episodes, but they kind of use, again, a bit like talking about Anne, people that have experienced this close up and ha- are kind of realizing that there's facts that people are choosing to ignore and only by really kind of campaigning for those facts to be taken seriously that we see a breakthrough and you know sort of similarly to and the people that are most affected by this are the people with the least power they're the people that have fled war and are doing you know whatever work they can or they're the people that these big companies are marketing to because they know they're the people that are least likely to fight against what they're selling them corporate malfeasance as like a genre of TV is something I love. And we've discussed this in the past. We could like, you know, yeah. you kind of love like a corporate tragedy. But what's particularly terrible about this is that it's so current. Yeah. You're not looking back at Enron or some collapsed company or some old industry that's gone away. You're looking at things that are in the shops today that are getting yeah. marketed to people today that uh, probably shouldn't be. 
And some of the brands, and this is all, a lot of it's alleged. We should say it's very US focused. It is very US focused. And that's why I think as a consumer of these products, go and have a look in your own drawers because they do talk about some really big brands. They talk about kind of high-end makeup brands. Didn't seem to just be, you know, a certain price of product. It was quite broad. Um, And that's why I think for the makeup, especially it was kind of talking about the powders and the dust and everything, the kind of makeup that goes on um, like that, that you can imagine. Yeah. The stuff about the marketing was really distressing because there was some stuff where they'd removed it from America, even though they weren't kind of regulated to through PR and legal determination of risk, they'd chosen to stop promoting or doing something in America, but they had continued to do it in other countries around the world, including um, Asia and Latin America. And, and yeah, you kind of just think they've kind of almost done a legal determination for some areas of the world, but not for others. So it's, yeah, it's pretty unethical and made for some icky viewing. But this is a classic case of a documentary series that puts the information in your hands and you can go and make some some choices and decisions because I've certainly used a lot of the products that they talked about in this documentary and I was like, well, never using them again and I'll go order my cupboard. <laughs> Besides kind of calling out the bad stuff, I do think it is really good that the documentary not only calls out what you should do or what you should be looking for, but also ways to do it. Like they talk about apps that you can download to like check what's inside these products, even highlighting some of the like emerging brands that are like actively trying to work against some of the problems within the industry. So it's certainly not doom and gloom. And also just the series itself is kind of quite bright and yeah. the episodes are quite short. It's very digestible, I would say. Yeah, they're about 30 minutes each, aren't they? And yeah, so kind of two hours to watch it, but it does break it up and it could almost just be one, doesn't mean we need to be four episodes. It could just be one big block, couldn't it? But I literally, yeah, I was watching it going, oh my God, like I'm learning something. I'm going, I'm going to make a bit of a change in my own behaviours and patterns um, and consumer choice, but it wasn't super depressing and dark. It was actually like, I'm really learning something. And I think, yeah, to your point, the documentary makers are kind of high quality and very clever and it's just got a very very um, action-based approach to it. Sometimes you're looking at something and it's it's too late to take an action or it's it's kind of looking at something sad that's happened. But this is, um, as you said so well at the beginning in the summary, like it's still happening. Yeah, and it's almost consumer advice television. <laughs> it's, yeah, trying to help yeah. you make better decisions. And also, thankfully, this is just an audio podcast, but, you know, I'm not a big consumer of a lot of these products, but it still was really interesting to hear the history of them, to hear the story behind why Manny and Petty salons are such a big deal in America. Mm. You know, the fact that it goes back to the Vietnam War and talks about the journey and all that kind of stuff, I found fascinating as someone who doesn't go to the nail salon very often. No, I think I agree with you. And I think it's just a really good example of use a bit of your binge watching time to educate yourself. And then if you want to change your behavior, but you know, sometimes I'll walk down the supermarket aisle and I'll pick up the box and I'll look at, you know, I'll look for things that we've been trained over the years to look for. Like, is it got a heart tick? You know, what's the sugar in it or something, but I will now be picking up a packet of cosmetics or, you know, makeup and be checking for some of these um, ingredients going forward. So that's how much of an impact it had on me. I probably wear a bit more makeup than you do, John, in fairness. Maybe. (laughs) All episodes of Not So Pretty are streaming now on Binge. One of the biggest buyers of petrochemicals is the beauty industry. I said, send me a sample, and in all of them, I found asbestos. There's changes in brain development. Birth defects. Ovarian failure. Infant mortality. We're truly at a tipping point. John, two of my favorite things in the world are going to the footy and watching uh, the AFL and getting glammed up. And both the things we've talked about so far um, kind of make you think, aren't we lucky to go to a game and sit in a stadium and feel safe? And after not so pretty, um, what am I going to do differently about my makeup? But... 
give me something funny. I would love something uplifting. It's Easter. We've got a bit of time off. There's lots of time on the couch, potentially. Dinner party recommendations, your insider's guide to great things to watch on Binge or things that you would recommend to those that you're dining with. Please tell us, what's a John Reco? Well, the thing that I am going to recommend that everyone watches over the Easter break or whenever involves a, a small disaster, but a very comical one. And it's set in space, so it's fine. I am, of course, talking about Avenue 5. Bridge crew, listen up. I need a course back to Earth. There's a lot of people counting on us to get them there. Everything is fine. Whose dog is this? That guy died. What the hell's going on? Should we be scared? If you want. You're supposed to say no, you prick. Oh, we're heading back to space after yes. Moonshot. I love we're it. heading Tell back us. to space. Well, it was actually the Moonshot conversation that made me re-watch Avenue 5, which I hadn't watched since it first aired, and reminded me just how much I like it. With Hugh Laurie. Yeah, with Hugh Laurie. Yeah, yeah. So tell us all. Tell us. I've been keen to talk to someone about it, so thankful that I have a podcast. I'm here. I have them here. Yeah, I'm here for you, John. Um, yeah. So Avenue 5 is created by Armando Iannucci, who people may or may not know is the brains behind The Thick of It, and Alan Partridge, and Veep. Veep, of course, also on Binge with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and, and one of my favourite shows of all time. So Avenue 5 is his follow-up to Veep. Um, there's only been one season so far, but a second season is on its way. So yeah, basically- COVID interrupted, didn't it? Another COVID interrupted show, unfortunately. So Avenue 5, it is set in the sort of near future on this spaceship cruise liner. So, you know, in the future, instead of going on cruise ships, we'll be heading out to the moon and the ship is called Avenue 5. Um, Hugh Laurie is the captain of the ship. Josh Gad is sort of the incompetent billionaire owner of the ship. The ship is full of, you know, rich tourists doing their thing. Um, and in the first episode, they briefly lose gravity, as you do in space when you're traveling. And it sort of kicks the ship off course slightly by a few degrees, which you think, oh, what's the big deal? It's just a few degrees. But then basically what happens is it's explained that this eight-week cruise is now going to take something like three years to get back to Earth because of the sort of like gravitational spin it has to do so it then kicks off this whole how are they going to survive for three years when they thought they were going on an eight-week cruise <laughs> and all the the incompetence of these people that are running this space cruise liner that don't know what they're doing and all these customers who thought they were you know just going on a few week cruise um and are now potentially drifting in space for years and years as you mentioned Hugh Laurie plays the captain. Josh Gad is this billionaire owner. Zach Woods, who people will know from Veep and a number of other things, is kind of the head of customer relations. So he's trying to like assure all the customers on board. And then there's just like this like cavalcade of amazing British and American actors playing the sort of various passengers on board. So it's very funny. It's like very silly because of, you know, the cruise liner in space aspect. Yeah, it's great fun. There's nine half hour episodes. It is coming back for a second season, hopefully, hopefully soon, but we don't know exactly. It's a great easy watch, lots of fun and yeah, a different type of tragedy. Well, I think last week when we were talking about Moonshot, you said that when space tourism is real, we'll all be being charged for gravity. Gravity won't be complimentary, but, yeah, I loved how, you know, they're doing yoga in one scene and they all get bumped off their mats. And, like, it's very funny. Like, you could imagine, like, it's total like being on a cruise ship and doing canasta on the deck at 5 o'clock and dance class in the main cabin, isn't it? Like, it, yeah, that with the twist of space, it's very, very fun. And a lot of the humor sort of comes from the incompetence of the staff and the people running the cruise liner and, um, you know, the base station back 
at Earth that's trying to help them out. And it's light and funny and an easy watch. And sort of the spaceness of it just adds this like extra level of insanity. I thoroughly enjoyed my rewatch. Um, so if people haven't watched it, please check it out. And you'll be getting a new one soon. Season two is on its way. Awesome. Well, my dinner party recommendation might actually, maybe it'll create a whole new segment for us to have in the show, which is shows that shouldn't have been cancelled or should have been renewed because my pick for an Easter binge is a 2020 series from HBO called Run. Are you together? Strangers on a train. But I bet I can tell you why she's travelling. You see this one very strong line here? That is your heart line, mm. and that is deep. There's a break in the middle. Is that why she looks so sad? I think that's probably just her resting face, but the big news is that she meets the guy again soon. So that's lovely for her. There are seven episodes, each about 30 minutes, three to four hour binge. This is a series I really, really enjoyed. It's been very well reviewed and I totally think it could have come back. It works as one season, you'll get to the end and it'll be fully resolved, but equally I would have loved it to have more. So this is the story of two people who dated at college and they made a pact. So you know when like you're young and you go, if I'm not married by 40, will you marry me? That kind of thing. But they made a pact that should either one of them ever text each other and say run and the other one writes back the same and basically drop what they're doing wherever they are in their lives and meet at Grand Central Station, get on a train and travel across America. So these two ex-lovers had this pact and the series starts with the character Ruby played by Merritt Weaver who is kind of doing mum life. She's got multiple children. She's realised that she's quite wealthy, kind of a husband. I think he works in IT or something. And then Billy, her ex-boyfriend played by Dom Hall Gleason who is like a self-help kind of celebrity. You find all this out as it goes, but you see the phone, text, you know, and run, and all of a sudden they're off on this train. And over the course of the seven episodes, you understand a bit more about where they are in their lives, their history, their love life, they rekindle, how they kind of just literally abandon their lives to get on this train. And I thought it was wonderful. It was created by Vicky Jones, who is a collaborator of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. They created Fleabag together. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I think she's a producer or an executive producer on this series. The Australian director, Kate Dennis, directs a number of the episodes. Phoebe also stars, which is by no means the main character, but she plays quite an interesting role because as we'd expect, there's lots of twists and turns on this train ride. And at one point they find themselves off the train and Phoebe's character is quite funny and humorous. And I just loved run john have you seen it i haven't although it is like couldn't be more up my alley so i'm not sure why i haven't watched it i love phoebe waller bridge obviously i love a good half hour like dramedy two of my friends do have this like 40 year old thing um yeah <laughs> going although one of them has turned 40 so they now change the rules that it's when the other guy turns 40 so i think okay. they're just buying each other time it's <laughs> keeping their <laughs> options open yeah you've only had 25 years maybe this is my easter binge <laughs> Well, I would love you to watch it because when it came out on HBO, it was pre-HBO Max. It went out on um, HBO Linear Cable in America and it dropped weekly. And I must admit, I think the weekly drop of it probably took a little bit of the heat out of it because it's kind of this comedy thriller. There's a lot going on on the train and it kind of is almost playing at the puns of train travel across 
so many great literary and film iterations, but I think it would be really cool to binge as well because I remember every week waiting for it to come and go, where is it, where is it? And kind of having to remind myself where I'd left it off, but I really enjoyed it. Well, yeah, anything Phoebe Waller-Bridge has even like brushed up against, I should be watching. So that's bad me. I'm so surprised. I thought we were going to have this really cool chat about us comparing a show, but okay, there you go. No, I like I'm as shocked as you, really. This is live, um, people. This is not staged or set up. Yeah. A little side recommendation, just because any chance I get to talk about this, I will. What's well, Easter? Give us, give our listeners an Easter egg. Come on. Well, I'm not going to pronounce his name right. Donald? Donald? Donald yeah, Wilson? I don't know how I did it. Yeah, I'm not sure either. He's Irish. He's gorgeous. He is in About Time, which is also on Binge, which is like, I'm not a rom-com guy, but I've watched this film like four or five times. And I it is about such time. a good film. It is so, such a good film. I have forced I, many people to watch About Time reluctantly. I love that you love that. Such a good film. And I was saying before about Kate Dennis, the Australian who directs some of these, she's done, she started off, I think, with Offspring, but she's done some of Handmaid's Tale, like really, really good. So lots of really clever people involved in this show. And I would love, it was one of those ones if I was, in a conversation with a decision maker at HBO, I'd be like, why did it not come back? Why did you text me? Did you break up with somebody? Do you hate your job? No. Please don't bullshit me that your life is so brilliantly perfect because if it was, you wouldn't have texted Run and you wouldn't be sitting on the train. You texted Run back. Tell me you want me right now. You could tell me. No, I don't want talking. This week on Skip Intro, we talked about the new British series Anne. We talked about the new American docu-series Not So Pretty. I suggested that we check out Avenue 5, the science fiction comedy, and Ali reminded me that I've still not watched Run, so I'm going to do that. All of these are streaming now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Boehm, joined every week by it. Ali Herbert Burns, thank you so much for listening. This podcast is produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more suggestions. Hold up. 